I'm going to go really quickly to the scripture today. I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 13, verse 11. I'm just going to read one, one verse in your hearing. Genesis chapter 13, verse 11. And when you have it, will you just stand with me for the reading of God's word? Today I'll be reading uh, from the NIV. And um, I'll just read a short part of this verse. When you have Genesis chapter 13, uh, verse 11, say, I have the bread. So Lot chose for himself. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I, I want you, I want you to share this message topic with somebody. And this topic is either, either you're going to be prophesying, uh, either you're going to be declaring or you're going to be lying. And I want you to look at the person beside you and tell them I'm making better decisions. I, I want, now, we've been saying, and, and uh, uh, Corey, you walked in my office the other day and had no idea I was going to throw you on Facebook Live. And um, Elder Claude walked in after you and to bring me some food, and he didn't know I was going to throw him on Facebook Live. And we just started talking about revival culture and what revival culture looks like, right? What it looks like. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that our church is based and birthed in a culture of revival. We're experiencing it every week. We're experiencing it every week where people are supernaturally being healed, uh, where people, you know, our lives are being changed. And this tangible experience that we have when we come into the worship service. You know, no one can dance like the Ram Church. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. <laughs> how we sing until the power of God comes down and how we stretch out across the floor and how, we, how sometimes we weep and, and there's nothing wrong. It's just God's presence is so heavy on us. But let me tell you what births revival and what revival produces. Worship, yeah. Praise, is, that's, that's really a manifestation. That's aesthetics of revival. But what brings revival is repentance. And what revival produces is repentance. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> all I need is 10 church members to just support me in this and I'll get through this, all right? What brings revival? Repentance. And what does revival produce? R repentance. So, we get, we get to speak in tongues. We get to dance. We get to shout. We get to praise. But God's desire and what revival looks like is not just the fact that we're touched, stimulated, or moved. God's desire is for us to be changed. Tell your neighbor God wants change out of me and so so let's let's see how we get there we 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 look at the scripture today and, and the main uh, character is, is a lot I mean we just see um, in in this verse that we read Genesis chapter 13 verse 11 the eight clause lot but when we're introduced a lot in the book of Genesis in the Torah lot is not a main character He's almost like a supporting character. He's, he's in the shadow of this huge patriarchal figure by the name of Abraham. He's related to somebody important. And, and that's what we do. We follow uh, those who are popular. We comment on the statuses and social media posts of people who don't know us. <laughs> hoping we can glean in their light and skip over the comments of those who we know because some kind of way we feel like our value is increased if someone of importance notice us when 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 the light that's close to you may be the one that has the message for you so we see Abraham a man of faith 
which can sound, sound very contradictory because he's a man of faith depending on where you see him. <laughs> depending on what chapter or verse you, you read him in. And, and I'm not judging Abraham because if I'm judging Abraham, that means I'm judging me. I'm a man of great faith depending on what time of day you find me. <laughs> Anybody in here other than me? You can be a person of great faith and one phone call can make you forget everything you had read in the Bible. <laughs> I mean, maybe not to everybody, but on the inside, we deal with our own fears. And when God is calling us, we think maybe God missed it. Or I missed it because you actually could be speaking to me because I failed at simple tasks. I'm preaching good. I failed at, at simple assignments. So he's speaking to Abraham. I'm going to call you to be a father of many nations. The only challenge with Abraham being a father of nations is Abraham doesn't even have one son. And anytime God makes you a promise, hallelujah, anytime God makes you a promise, the promise he makes to you speaks of how he feels about you. And it declares what he's going to do with you. The promise is... The promise, when God makes you a promise, it's not necessary that you have proof. It's necessary that you have faith. Now faith is the substance of things hopeful and the evidence of things not seen. Tell your neighbor, I may not see it, but I still believe it. I, I, st I still believe it. And so we see Abraham and Sarah, they go through this journey. And God speaks to Abraham in chapter 12. He said, um, leave your kindred, go to a place where I'm going to show you. Le leave among you, from away from your kin people and go to a land where I'm going to show you. Now, the challenge with Abraham uh, going is because the Lord says, you go first and I'll show you. And, and we struggle with that. Many of us who are control freaks, we struggle with that. If God wants me to do something to go somewhere, I need you to give me all the details first. I'm talking about y'all that says, hey, y'all, y'all want to go with me? Uh, where are we going? And, and, and then not just where we're going, but who, who, who going to be there? Who going? <laughs> I don't want to ruin my whole day. But God is requiring uh, faith out of Abraham. You don't know all the details, but just follow my instructions. And, and so Abraham almost does what God says he's going to, what God told him to do. I said, God, Abraham almost does what God tells him to do. Because Abraham took his wife and his servants, but uh, he also took his nephew, Lot. And when we look in the story of Lot and Abraham, we could see where they had relationship. You know, some people can be your nephew or your first or second cousin and you're not connected to them. But Lot and Abram had a good relationship. He's almost was like raised around Abram. Abram was almost like another father to him. And it was time for him to make this journey and move away. But he felt it necessary to take his nephew with him. You that are writing notes, I want you to write this down. It's a long journey. So learn how to pack light. Now, it's a journey. Now, when we talk about God is going to turn it around in 72 hours, yeah, he's going to turn it around in 72 hours, but you're still going to be on a journey. I mean, the summation of all God is going to do in your life is not in 72 hours unless you're going home to be with him in 72 hours. So you got to learn how to pack light because if I've learned anything from flying with American Airlines is the heavier the bags, the more the price. And you only got enough for what God has assigned to you. Number two, follow God's instructions. Only carry what and who is necessary. I'm almost finished. And he gets to Canaan. And then when he gets to Canaan with his family and Lot, the Bible says he comes to a place of promise and all of a sudden there's a famine. 
And what does he do when the famine happens? He abandons the place of promise. A famine comes. You will always be tested in the place of your promise. <laughs> in the season of your promise, you'll be tested. What are you going to do when God finally brings you to the place and you're faced with a challenge in that place? Tell your neighbor, don't abandon the place. The Bible says he goes down to Egypt. And when he goes down to Egypt, although that was not God's desire for him, God prospered him there. And that's why many of us praise God the way we do, because we acknowledge the fact that we are more blessed than what we deserve. God has been better to us than we've ever been to him. And even in our disobedience and even in our rebellion, God always finds a way to bless us in spite of us. Not an excuse to continue doing what I do, but I must acknowledge that my accomplishments and anything that people will look at as success is simply because of God's grace, his unmerited favor, God's grace and his mercy that's on my life. And I need about 50 people in here just to take a moment and just praise God for the undeserving prosperity, the undeserving success, the undeserving job that you have, the undeserving home that you live in. Come on, the undeserving family that God has blessed. Oh, come on, unde undeserving. I don't deserve it, but I thank you for it. I thank you for looking beyond my faults. I thank you for looking beyond me. I thank you for looking beyond my disobedience and blessing me even when I was out of place. And that's why I realized what really God does to pull us back to our place is not punish us to our place. He blesses us to our place. Oh my God, did you hear? The Bible says hey, he uses kindness to draw us back to our place. The Bible says the prodigal son is on his way back home and instead of coming back home to punishment, he came back home to a party. And I want you to know it's in God's best interest to bring you to the place that he prepared. It's in God's best. He's invested too much in you to let you die out of his will. He's invested too much in you to let you die outside of your potential. And that's why some of you ought to praise him today not because of what you have. You ought to praise him because who gave it to you? Hallelujah. In the midst of our running and dancing, some of you looked really nice and fancy with your arms folded and your legs crossed but you'd have to realize anybody that stands tall is someone who's humbled themselves on their knees because God gave Abram a chance to come back to the place that he assigned him to and somebody in here you ought to thank God because he's married to the backslider I'm not talking about y'all I'm talking about me I'm talking about everybody in here that did a moonwalk in the spirit when you should have been going forward you found yourself going back that's why I don't judge people who died out there because it would have been me if God hadn't given me another chance. One more time doing drugs, you could have died in an overdose. One more time drinking while driving, you could have been wrapped around a tree. One more time having unprotected sex, you could have came up with something you couldn't get rid of. One more time! Hallelujah! I need you to scream at somebody tell them another chance. He gave me, he gave me. One more time. Look at somebody tell him he prospered me in my disobedience. I know. I know. I know that's complicated. I know it's complicated because we tell people if you live right and if you do what's right, God gonna bless you. And that's right. That is right. That is right. You pay your tithes and you give your offering, God is going to bless you. That is right. But let me tell you something. God was good to me even before I acknowledged him. He, God is so good that people who curse him, people who don't believe on him, he reigns on the just 
as well as the unjust. And so what I want you to take in consideration, just real quick, just in, I'm gonna go on with the message, just in consideration. If God prospered you in your disobedience, if God prospered the people who denied him, if God prospers people who don't believe in him, if God prospers people who don't tithe, imagine how much more I wish I had a church in this section. How much? This ain't Starbucks. Come on in here with me. Uh, I look at your neighbor, ask your neighbor, how much more? How much more? Woo. Woo. How much? Eat tomorrow. How much more? Because the Bible says, them that trust in the Lord will not be put to shame. Will not y'all be seated? Will not, oh, glory be to God. Will not be put to shame. So, how much? This is, this is what you need to hear. Selena, it's God gave Abraham a chance to come back. And that's what somebody in here needs to hear today. God, if you're in here and you can hear my voice, God is giving you a chance to come back. Now, what you going to do with it? It's time to make some better decisions. Bible said, when he came back with Lot, the Lord began to prosper them. Lot had herdsmen and flocks. Abraham had herdsmen and flocks. And all of a sudden, there became some, there came some tension between Abraham and his nephew. You know, well, not necessarily with them, but their stuff. There's tension in between that herdsman. And it says, Abraham says, so we can, so we can protect our relationship. So we can protect our family. Let's just separate. And I just want y'all to know sometime separation is necessary sometimes se- separation a little space is necessary to protect our future some of you you had to pull back from some people not because you were afraid of them you had to pull back because you were afraid of yourself because <laughs> if you keep on going back and forth with me I don't know <laughs> You, I still got some trigger points on me. And, and so sometimes I pull back not because I'm afraid of you, I'm afraid of me. And to protect my future, to protect my character, to protect my name. You know, you know, amen. I have to pull back. And, and anything that is of God can survive separation. And uh, pull back a little bit. Let's create some space in what Abraham says. Where do you want to go? What, what place do you want? Now you have to realize it's Abraham's promise. <laughs> it's Abraham's promise. But he gives a lot an opportunity to choose. And that brings us to our verse today. Lot chose for himself. Lot chose for himself. And for Lot it was an easy decision. Because this territory of Canaan was a very rocky area. And the, the place of pasture was very small to choose from. This is why we already have friction between the herdsmen. The Bible says that Lot looks down by the Jordanian Valley. And seized the green pastures. And he said, uh, give me that area. Because you are a tag along, you know, you ain't got no money. You don't order steak at the restaurant if somebody else paying. So let me just do a little house rules here. Right here. Somebody nice enough to pick you up and on the other side of town take you to work or to take you to uh, you know Walmart you don't ask them well can you also stop no 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 
Everything you need need to be in one place. Ain't that right? Somebody let you stay at their house and sleep on their sofa while you in between. You don't sleep half of the day on their sofa holding on to their remote control. When they get up, you get up. Even if you ain't got nowhere to go, you need to be looking for where you're going. Come on, somebody. Just some house rules. Just some house rules. Amen. You don't, you don't make, you don't have, you don't put no dishes in the sink. You wash your dishes and theirs. <laughs> you offer gas money. Even if they don't take it, you offer it. But that says something to us about the character of Lot. How you handle other people's stuff is a reflection of your character. And so what Lot says, oh yeah, give me the good, give me this over here. Abraham didn't even fight it. Because you have to realize, when the promise is on you, <laughs> I said, when the promise is on you, you can get water out of a rock. Hallelujah. When the promise is on you, he'll turn a desert into a fertile place. And the Bible says that Lot chose the fertile place. And then this is what it says. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. <laughs> he pitched his tent in the suburb of Sodom. All of you have probably, if you know anything about the Bible, you've already fast forwarded, right? He's, he's in the suburb of this wicked place. Because this is a place that he chose for himself. He used his common sense, his senses, what he could see, what he could smell. Come on. He, he, used, he used his natural senses to say, this is a good place. And if I'm going to be in a good place and I'm going to create trade, at least I need to be connected to a bustling city. So he's there. And the chapter says he pitches his tent, Elder Doug, near Sodom. And then, as we fast forward, he's not near Sodom. He's in Sodom. As a matter of fact, Sodom is so full of sin. So full of wickedness. So full of immorality. That God sends the angels of the Lord to go get the saints or the righteous out. And when they get there, the Bible says, hey, hallelujah, the Bible says that Lot is in the gate of the city. Historically, the gate is where prominent leaders of a city would sit. If you ever go to Israel with me, you'll, when we go into these ancient sites that have been excavated, uh, the gate of the city even has a chamber. It has rooms. It's a wide space where someone of prestige of the city, a magistrate, would sit. So someone who was an outsider to the world have now become a leader in it. Some, someone who was supposed to impact the culture now has been impacted by the culture themselves and now he's a leader and although he's a leader in the city he understands what's on the inside of her walls are dangerous to the point he warns the men don't come in here as a matter of fact where y'all going they said we're going to the city square no 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 no, no. stay in my house <laughs> no no come lot Lot is the main character today, y'all. He said, no, come, come, stay in, come stay in my house. Because when you choose for yourself what you are flirting with, you become bound by. When you choose for yourself something that you thought, hallelujah, that you could use, now that something is using you. Riding the fence, hallelujah, and it ends up pulling you in. I, to, 
some of you are looking at me a little strange right now, but I believe you know what I'm talking about. You know how you try to balance it out? Dip a little bit over here, dip a little bit over here. Ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of this, and ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of that. I can still save and still hang out over here. I'm still saved. I can still do a little bit of this. It's called balance until you fall on the wrong side. This is revival. And the Bible says now Lot is a leader and he's now telling the men. He said, come, come stay in my house. You don't want to stay in the city square. Trust me, it's nighttime. Come, come stay in my house. Stay in my house because in Eastern culture, you're responsible for your guest. Stay in my house and then be gone by morning. <laughs> he wasn't being uh, unhospitable. He was... He was looking out for them. And the Bible says he convinced them to come in, not knowing that they were the angels of the Lord. The angels of the Lord were going to the city square so they would find any righteous that they could get them out before destruction would come. I've been having all of these dreams lately, all of these apocalyptic dreams. And I'm not a dreamer. I am not a dreamer. I have, I've been just having all of these one, and, I, and some of you all were in prayer the other night, and I told you about this like apocalyptic dream I had, how we were in this church van, and Pastor Cedric Rouson was driving. And, and I've only, he only preached here once. Him and I are not close for, me to, for him to even be in my dream. And we were driving, and it seemed like we were in Pennsylvania. Don't even ask me why Pennsylvania. I don't know. But we're driving in Pennsylvania down in a medical area. Look like we're hospitals and clinics. And people are walking and walking slowly with their white jackets on. And all of a sudden, they begin to speed up and walk. And all of a sudden, they begin to run fast. They begin to run fast. And then we begin to drive fast. And the other night, I had another apocalyptic dream. It's like, and I keep waking up in them. And I, I, I don't know what's about to happen. Um, but if the pandemic is not enough to get people's attention, I don't know what would take place. As a matter of fact, the frustration of our culture is not what is God saying, is when is it going to be over. The, the, the frustration of our Western culture is let's get past this so we can go back to normal. But God is saying to the church, God is saying to you that are in here, God says, I've held this over your head because there's not a normal that I want you to go back to. Listen to me, church. God don't want us to go back to just having conferences and conventions and still being in sin God don't want us going back to just a good praise and a good dance but never being purified God said I'm speaking and I'm holding it over you and I'm sitting here I'm watching this text and the Bible says that after he got the angels in the house there was a somebody was watching hallelujah somebody was was watching he's trying to protect and save them but the enemy is watching hallelujah just because you're not speaking over you don't mean somebody is not mm. some of you trying to play with the devil and I want you to know he's an ancient spirit he's been around for a long time Oh, hallelujah. You're trying to play with an ancient spirit that doesn't come to play with you. The thief cometh, John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief cometh to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And God says, I've given you a way out. Hallelujah. He says, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I know this is not a popular message for me to preach on Mother's Day, but I want to speak to somebody in here that got a praying mother. When when your mother is dead and gone you can come and try to pull her body out of the casket but you got to know God for yourself I know you got a praying grandmother but you got to know God for yourself the enemy was watching their pattern watching their movement Lord see what you need 
We want the men that just came into your house. They're our visitors. We want the men. The Bible says, listen, because I know some of you want to make the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah simply about homosexuality. There's nothing simple about Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah encompasses all immorality. I'm going to prove it to you. It's, it's more. Sodom and Gomorrah had nothing to do with a man wanting to be with a man and a woman wanting to be with a woman. It was deeper than that. The whole conscious and moral compass of the people had been warped. That the Bible says young and old, young and old men were trying to knock down the house of Lot to rape the men that went in. It's a whole, it's a whole warped morality. It's a whole warped mentality that young and old stuff that you used to could put on young people but now it's young and old we got cougars and we got all of these we got grandmothers trying to sleep with young boys y'all not saying nothing to me here young and old we got people creeping and sneaking and you would be you would be surprised if God went in the inboxes in this church right now and extracted from these Instagram messages and took the snapchats and put them across the screen young and old I know y'all don't want me to preach this on a Sunday morning but tell your neighbor Lot chose for himself and I'm at a place in my life where I don't trust myself to choose for myself young and old beat it down the door and Lot said I can't let you have What's in my house? Can't let you have my business. They said, well, we'll do it to you. They said, we want to know them. Know them. And it was not an intellectual no. And let me, let me see, let me show y'all what happens. They're about to overtake the door. And Lot says this. I know, see, I know y'all want to rebuke. Every gay club, and I heard a sister one time told me she wanted me to stand with them. They was going outside of a gay club, and they was going to be out there pleading the blood of Jesus and throwing anointing oil. Save your oil. Leave them alone. Uh oh, y'all. Oh, I, 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 I said, leave them alone. Do you know what sinners do? Sin. Pray for them and leave them alone. Because God came for you in your sin. Stop giving people answers when they're not asking questions. Oh, oh, oh. Did you hear what I said? Stop trying to shove a track in somebody's hand. Stop trying to preach to somebody before they're ready. When God does the breaking up, they'll ask you. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Well, what should I do until then? Love on them? What should I do to them? Pray for them? What? Embrace them? I can embrace them without embracing their sin. And if you can't do that, you're not where you thought you were in God. If your anointing fixes it, well, you can't sit with your family members that smoke like weed. It's because you got amnesia. Because you ain't always been saved since you've been saved. your neighbor love on them give them the same grace that God gave you give them the same mercy well I ain't never did that but the Bible says all unrighteousness is sin all unrighteousness that the Bible said it pleased the Lord to bruise him but because of what was on us the only way the flesh of God could die is that the spirit of God had to turn his back on him because of the sin of the world on his face And he gave up the ghost. What disturbs me and what should disturb us is not what the men were saying on the outside of the house. It's what the men were saying on the inside of the house. This ain't no new doctrine. It's all in the scripture. What disturbs me it's not what they are doing. Not what, what they are posting. 
Not what they are saying, but those inside the house. Hallelujah. And, and what did, and what did, what was Lot's respond to them? Don't, don't, don't take my guess. I got two daughters in here that are virgins that you can have. What man, what father in his right mind would offer his virgin daughters to a mob of men who are seeking to rape other men? A man that chose for himself. Oh, okay, no, but Bishop, that's kind of that's kind of extreme. No, no, you don't just you just don't get there. In Genesis chapter thirteen, he was he was living near Sodom. He pitched his tent on the outside of Sodom. Then, before we know it, he's in Sodom. Then, before we know it, he's a gatekeeper in Sodom. It's it's a. It's a gradual progression. How did you get there? One bad decision after the next. See, when Abraham made a bad decision to go to Egypt, then he had to lie to save his life while he was there. See, one bad, you tell one lie, you got to keep on lying to cover up, to try to remember the lie you told the first time and who you told it to. That's why the Bible said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor sit in the seat of the scornful stand in the way of sinners why because eventually it begins to wear you wear, wear you down wear you down and so then there are some things in my life that I've had before God some things I want to conquer some habits that I want to break, right? And so, we in this revival culture. And while we in this revival culture, I do like some of y'all do. I get under one of them pews and, Lord Jesus, take it from me, Lord. Change my desire, change my appetite, change my vision. Take it from me, God. God, you do it. God, you do it. Come here, Brother Robert. And God said, I already have. Philippians, Evangelist 6 used to read this, quote this scripture all the time out of Philippians. Said it is the Lord that puts in us the will and the ability. Yeah. It's called, in King James verses, the do. Yeah. He put the do in you. Lord, I want to do right. Well, he already put it in you. I want to talk. I, he already put it in you. It is the Lord that put in you the ability to do what pleases him. So some of us want to put it all on God, but you haven't come in agreement with him. You haven't come in agreement with what he's already put in you because we're getting ready for Pentecost Sunday. And see, on Pentecost Sunday, culturally, we're going to come in here with all this white on and I'm excited about it. I already got my white for Pentecost Sunday. But a white suit and a filthy spirit is a contradiction. A white veil and a head covering when you're unsubmitted to God is a contradiction. A long skirt but a short attention span in prayer is a contradiction. Oh Lord, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Yes, oh we're going to speak in tongue. Yes, we're going to speak in tongue. Speaking in tongue is biblical. Speaking in tongue is, uh, is an ability God has given us to strengthen ourselves. But what, is, what have you done with the power that God has already put in you? Holy Ghost. The Bible says it's like a bit in the mouth of a horse. 
and he takes that bit and pulls you whatever direction. He's giving you the power to submit. He's giving you the He's giving you the power to make better decisions. Let me tell you something. Some of these strongholds you deal with started before you. You really did. There's a stronghold. It starts with a decision. And then another decision. Better decisions. You know what Proverbs 3 and 5 says? Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not into thy own understanding and all thy ways. Acknowledge him. You'll make better decisions. In other words, I'm at a place in my life where I'm not going to make another decision without consulting with God. And when I say consulting with God, I'm talking about going in there in the presence of the Lord without a desired answer. Because when you do that, you hear what you want to hear. So many of you, so many of us have lied on God. We said God said things God never said. And it's not that we didn't hear it, but what we heard was the voice of our flesh. I only got seven minutes and I got to get out of here. We heard the voice of our flesh and now you're in a place called Sodom. You're in a place of complication, contradiction, and confusion. And now you're saying, why am I going through this? Why am I here? Why am I, why did God do this to me? And God says, I never did it. I never told you to get in that relationship. I never told you to go to that church. I never told you to move to that city. I never told you to get that job. I never told you to start that company. I know this is a lot this morning. I'm sorry. I just got to give you what God gave me. Some of us are in places right now because we did what we wanted to do and we put a God sticker on it and God never said it. He says, woe unto the prophets that say I said and I didn't. So, and in the midst of it, the angels, you know what the angels did? The angels, they revealed themselves now. They're like, hold on, this door is about to come down. <laughs> we were trying to be incognito and trying to play like we just normal like y'all. But they said, no, we smoke all of them with blindness in Jesus' name. And you know what's, you know what's bad about this, this account? It's that the Bible says that, uh, and I know my message might have been a little boring for some of y'all today, but... But let me, let me tell y'all something. I'm glad you like it, but listen to me. I am not a performer. I'm a prophet. And I don't, get to ch- I don't even get to choose what I'm going to preach. Hi-ya. I come in alignment with it. And you know what happened is? When, he, when God smote them with blindness, you know what, would I, what I would do if, if a thunderstorm came up in the middle of my sin? I would stop if I was on my way somewhere that I shouldn't be going and I got a flat tire I'd be like confirmation confirmation I knew I shouldn't have been doing anybody ever been in a compromised position and the wrong song came up in the playlist you said oh okay no thank you Jesus thank you Lord he must be a killer oh God <laughs> This is Jack the Ripper. (laughs) You know what they did? They kept trying to sin. Wow. What happens? How many signs do you need? How many? Play something soft core because I need to close. I need to just dismiss. How many signs do you need? To realize you in the wrong place. 
You in the wrong car. How many signs do? You got to know when to move on. And loving someone is not an excuse to stay. Uh oh. Sometimes you gotta love someone enough to release them. I don't care if that. I don't even care if I. I don't. That could be your family member. That could be a, a significant other. That can be a friend. You got to know when it's pulling you the wrong direction. When it's depleting you. Angel said, come on, get it. let's get out of here. Let's go. God has given, God sent us to get you out. And I don't know, I don't know who is, I don't know who you are, but you in this room right now. That on Mother's Day, God got me preaching about Lot. To tell you he's given, he's, he sent me to get you out. He sent his word to get you out. And we all know the, the short description of the Bible, right? What is that? Jesus wept. There's another one after that. Because when he brought them out right before he destroyed everything, you know what? The Bible said Lot's wife turned around and looked back. Bible says she was turned to a pillar of salt. That means she was forever stuck there. Some of you, God has given you a chance to come out this time. And you got to make this move so you're not forever stuck there. <laughs> forever, forever. And the, one of the shortest scriptures says, remember Lot's wife. Oh, y'all know that? Remember Lot's wife. And so where, where am I? not where I want to be I am not huh? what <laughs> Bishop S.Y. Younger let me put it on record I'm not where I want to be but I'm going to tell you where I am I'm making better decisions I'm not as easy to trust people like I used to be I love everybody <laughs> but people have to prove themselves now because I'm making better decisions I'll be nice to everybody, but I'm not giving anybody a courtesy to try to assassinate me in this season. I'm making better decisions. I, I, I don't, I can't trust myself. Because the last time I tried to trust myself and I thought I knew my limitations. Mm. Temptation. You know, there's some temptations you fight but there are certain temptations you flee. Mm. And the only reason why I'm telling y'all this is because don't you want to be somewhere different this time six months from now? Come on, I need somebody to know this is registering. Don't you want to? Have you ever been frustrated with yourself? Because with all of the answers you have, without all the understanding you have, some kind of way by default, you end up making the same bad decisions. And, and what's happening in this day is not just with the old, it's with the young. And it's not just with the young, it's with the old. It's cross-generational. So I, had, I was in North Carolina, I had this dream, right? <laughs> this apocalyptic dream. And uh, Sister Nicole, some of y'all were in it. It was, it was like crazy. Elder Brady, you were in it. I, some of y'all were in it. Um, and so we were in this city, right? And so in this city, uh, these people were attacking us, but we had guns, like laser guns. So it was like, <laughs> it was like apocalyptic mixed with a little sci-fi. And I don't like sci-fi movies. And then, but we went through this, um, we went through this closet and when we, because they were closing in on us and we went through this closet and we went in this closet and we went back in this time. But then we was like, we got to go back. And so we went back, right back in the fight. And I don't know why, y'all please forgive me, but it's just the truth of my dream. I said, why y'all, 
why we didn't get the lottery numbers and stuff while we were, I don't know. I don't play the lottery. My family members do. I don't play. <laughs> so I'm having, I'm having all of these apocalyptic dreams. So I wake up. And then when I go back to sleep, I think I'm going back to that dream, right? But when I go back to sleep, the best way I can describe this, and this is amazing to me, because y'all heard me say for years, I don't dream. And if I do, I don't remember them. So this is amazing to me. I mean, nothing to y'all, because some of y'all have come to me with some dreams over the years, and I'd be like, tell somebody else I don't interpret dreams. But when I went back to sleep, it's like, I don't know if it was a church anniversary weekend or what, but it was so beautiful. It was like this huge field, and everybody had like towels on the ground and baskets. It's like we were having picnics, but everybody were in pastel colors. And I was just walking around speaking to everybody and I saw on one of the towels talking was Pastor Pierre and his wife and they were talking to a, a Caucasian couple and the Caucasian couple had a baby and I saw Pastor Pierre's baby. And I said, I told Pastor Pierre's wife, I said, can I hold a baby? And she said, yes. And when I picked up the baby, I said, oh my goodness, this is the first time I've ever seen him in person because he was born in the pandemic. I started he smiled at me and I started to cry and when I started to cry I woke up and I was crying there's a lot of uh, destruction that's happening but out of destruction something new whatever you got to give up whatever God is trying to pull you out of something beautiful is on the other side some of us stay in things because we don't know life outside of it. Some of us stay in it because this has become our home. This has become what we're accustomed to. But there's something on the other side of this. And if you're going to get there to the something that's better, you got to make better decisions. Stand on your feet. Now, Lord, I'm asking you to turn in somebody's heart, somebody's mind. Let that be a revival. Let that be a true repentance. Someone has stayed too close to a place that has the ability to contaminate and keep them bound forever. Immortalized in a place of stuckness. But help them today. Hey, this is Bishop S.Y. Younger. Thank you for watching this video. And now what I need you to do is like and subscribe to this YouTube channel so you can continue to get more inspirational, motivational, and gospel content in your direction.